1: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised.
0: Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline. It's luxurious
2: lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to
0: light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox.
2: This is Crosstown Crosstalk.
0: Hello and welcome to episode number 32 of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and we are yet another week without that. Long-haired boy, Joey Parisi. We miss you, Joe. You'll be back on this show eventually. Maybe as soon as next week. And hint, hint, we'll see what happens. But, of course, when Joey's not here, that means we're allowed to talk about the New York Yankees freely. And in order to talk about the New York Yankees, in my opinion, we have to bring back the head of the greatest New York Yankees site on the Internet. That's Yanks Go Yard of the Fan Sided Network. And, of course, I'm talking about site expert, Adam Weinrib. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure to be here. Uh, Yeah, no baseball. It's
3: been a while. It's been a month. Uh, Probably gonna be a couple more weeks, months, years. Uh, But I'm happy to talk to you about uh, American League clashes. Uh, I'll weigh in on the Cubs too if you need me to. I'm just not sure what you need, but I'm I'm happy to do it.
0: Absolutely. It's it's a great to have you. I know we got two major markets just loaded with baseball passion. And you know two cities divided I, I love the whole thing but before we get into it at all the 2021 season was a very interesting year for your new york yankees in my opinion they had an outstanding year and they still came in sec they came in a wild card game with another division rival just because the tampa bays were so much better than everybody else it seemed like what do you make of the 2021 yankees as a whole
3: I think a lot of what the 2021 Yankees did, you know, it it explains why people hate Yankee fans, why people think Yankee fans are whiny, because we really were uh, uh, extremely dissatisfied with what we saw, and it ended up being a 92-win season. So I do understand that on the surface, you know, for someone who didn't live it uh, every day, that looks embarrassing. That does not look like, that seems like a very entitled behavior. But the reality of it was they played a lot more like a team large stretches of the year they had a massive winning streak in the middle to the end of august they picked off a lot of their competition in a row they went to oakland maintained the win streak and everybody sort of thought hey, your white Sox were, were a part of that and everybody sort of thought oh it looks like the you know the rizzo gallo yankees have turned the corner a little bit then they unturned the corner and nearly gave away a playoff spot after taking a seven or eight game lead on a wild card berth they managed to maintain it with an incredible final week they beat up the Red Sox at Fenway, they beat up the Blue Jays in Toronto, and then just as soon as it you know, was built up again, it came crashing down in a one-game finale at Fenway Park. But outside of that two-week stretch in the middle to the end of August, and that final stretch, there was a lot of bad in there. There was a lot of things that, look, it wasn't out of character, it was out of character for a team with high expectations. It was a lot of bullpen meltdown. It was a lot of the type of losses that 80 to 85 win teams experience on a regular basis. Yankee fans should acknowledge they're lucky to get out of that year with 92 wins. Absolutely. But the frustration was due to the fact that an overwhelming number of the losses were absolute choke jobs against their division rivals, a four, nothing no hitter in the eighth inning at Fenway park that became a late inning loss, a seven, two lead in Houston in the ninth that became a late inning loss, a seven, three lead to the angels at home, where everybody went to sleep and there was a two-hour rain delay in between, but they didn't get the game called for whatever reason. Or Oldis Chapman gave up a grand slam, another loss. Pete Alonso did it to the Yankees in the seventh inning of a doubleheader. All of their rivals got them in really harsh ways throughout the year, and they felt like they sort of lucked into 92 wins in a playoff berth with a dead cat bounce. There was a lot of regression there. Um, So I, I do look at 2021 as a season of more regression than I'm comfortable with. Uh, you know, a a lot of question marks moving forward about holes and and positions that we thought we had shored up. And certainly a season that looks better at the end. You know, you look back and you say 92 wins. It looks a lot better than it felt.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I understand what you mean about some of those games that they let slip away. But, you know, one player who did kind of exceed my expectations, maybe just a little bit based on his slow start to his Yankee tenure, whatever it may have you. I'm talking about Giancarlo Stanton. He seems to have a pretty good year in 2021, by all accounts. Were you surprised by that at all? Did it was it exactly what you expected? And if we play baseball in 2022, can he do that again?
3: I was a little bit surprised, only because I'm a prisoner of the narrative always. And so you you watch Stanton's first year in pinstripes, 2018, pretty good. Does a pretty good impression of a of a very good slugger, but doesn't quite look like an MVP candidate which he was the reigning MVP at the time. So a lot of us were disappointed because of the early optics and the fact that he had a very good year, but not quite a spectacular year and theoretically was going to age and, and get injured and, and get worse from that point forward. So if that's the best Stanton we're going to get, then it's a little bit of a disappointment. But now all of a sudden he, he did have injury issues in 19 and 20 for sure. Missed a lot of time, barely played in either of those years. Um, but 2021, he played nearly a full season. He looked he looked special. He looked like someone who could carry a team for for weeks on end. When he was on, he was on. If that's the version of Stanton we're getting going forward, I am beyond satisfied with that. I don't need 55 homers. I don't need him to hit 340 and and play 161 games. I need something like what I saw last year, which is uh, inordinate clutch moments. He has a reputation for, you know, whiffs, uh, you know, power hitters do. That that's how people think about power these days. But he put bat on ball a lot when it was required of him. And but he more often than not hit strikes very hard. Uh, found the Green Monster at Fenway Park. Beat the Green Monster at Fenway Park. And now you look at his contract, which is something like because of what the Marlins are paying, it's like seven years, 155 million left on that deal or something like that. People were complaining about the Yankees being unable to get out of it and weighed down by this insane Stanton contract. Doesn't look that crazy anymore. It's it's less than what they're going to be paying. Somebody's going to be paying somebody like Trevor Story moving forward. So, I mean, Stan never lost me, but he did have me worried because until you see it in a big moment, you do think to yourself, is this ever going to happen? But last year, he was really special. And if they win one more of those games that they choked during the regular season, the wild card game is at Yankee Stadium. He's got three homers instead of one, and the Yankees are probably
0: moving on of the American League Division Series. Yeah, that was a tough game for him with all the almost home runs it was a really good game for him too at the same time which is funny but a lot of people when you think of Giancarlo Stan in a Yankee uniform I always think of Aaron Judge as well because they're either the two big power bats in the middle of the lineup they're almost the same height it just kind of seems like they're the two you know guys in the middle of the lineup that the Yankees rely on for the extra offense he was awesome in 2021 and I know I just said that about Giancarlo but to me Aaron Judge is like a game-breaking type of hitter and I think he could be one of the 10 best hitters in Major League Baseball if not better than that and of course he's coming into a contract year so our if they play i have just going to preface if they play for every question yeah. going forward um, if he has like an outstanding year can he be one of those like Highest-paid players in the league. Will it be with the Yankees? Could it be with somebody else? What are your thoughts on Aaron Judge as a baseball player and his lucrative contract that he, by all accounts, is going to sign very soon?
3: Yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head. the The only two guys who who were completely unproblematic last year, by and large, were Judge and Stanton. Um, you know, Judge, we had the question. The same question with "Stan, can he do it for a full 162? How healthy can he stay? Can he approximate this production?" over a full season. And then we, we got borderline a full season from both guys and yeah, the production was absolutely there. Very special. Um, I have no issues with the Darren judge put forth last year. If That's him moving forward. Or if it's even a slight downgrade of that, both of those are very acceptable. Um, as for his next contract, I think it's going to be somewhere in the megalith region. I don't think we're looking at 300, 350 mil. I think I don't think he's reaching Corey Seager territory. I think his future is in New York. With the Yankees, I think they've they've shown us time and again that they want to take care of him before taking care of these big external free agents. I think it's going to eventually fall somewhere in because, look, he is on the verge of 30. We're not talking about extending a 27-year-old, as embarrassing as that is. Um, and Hal Steinbrenner isn't exactly willing to eat mistakes. He should be. He's Hal Steinbrenner. They're the New York Yankees. But he, he's not really willing to do that. So I think we're looking at something more like 225 max, um, six- or seven-year extension. They're going to play it safe. Uh, it's not going to look like a, a behemoth deal, but I do think both parties are going to satisfy each other before moving on to the rest of the free agent market. So I think he stays for a large deal, but not quite in that stratosphere.
0: Sure, I kind of like to hear that too because I'm also a fan of an American League team, obviously. And you know, you think of like the top free agents coming up over the next couple of years. One of the Sox' biggest needs is right field, but there is something mm-hmm. like comfortable to me about Aaron Judge playing for the Yankees. He just seems like a Yankee kind of guy. And I almost like having to go through a guy like Aaron Judge if you want to win a playoff series against them or, you know, something like that. To me, it's like I never really root for the best teams to all of a sudden stink if mine is getting better because mm-hmm. I want the White Sox and the Yankees to be at the height of their powers and meet each other in the playoffs. I think that would be awesome. So I'm rooting for Aaron Judge, Judge to stick around and you know play well. The Yankees are obviously better with him in the lineup, and the league is better when the Yankees are competitive. So that's how I see the whole thing. But you mentioned that Stanton and Judge were the only non-problematic players pretty much at any point for the Yankees last year. I'm assuming that that applies to batters only, because Garrett Cole yeah. was really, really good. And he comes in second for the Cy Young, one spot ahead of my guy, Lance Lynn. And, of course, Robbie Ray, dominant second half, well-deserving of the Cy Young. But Garrett Cole is one of the highest-paid players in the league. He deserved every penny that he got. And I think he's been really good with the Yankees. Would you say that his contract with the Yankees so far has been worth it?
3: Yeah, and I would do that again, too.
0: And, look, I I am the kind of person
3: who – I I would do any of these things because I don't think that any mega deal that's already happened should complicate future dealings, which I I, look, I understand that's not how the Steinbrenner family operates. I understand there are, you know, cause and effect and all that stuff. But at that time, the Yankees needed an ace and they went out and paid for an ace. It's, It's the rare time in the recent past where I was just completely inspired by the move. It seemed like a devil may care. It was like, damn, the consequences for once. The one thing we haven't had in 2017 and 2018 is an ace. 2017, we're like a year ahead of schedule. We're almost in the World Series and we probably shouldn't be. 2018, we thought was our year and the Red Sox go out and win 108 games. 2019, you know, it, everything comes together, but then the Yankees lose every player one at a time. They're all injured. No Severino um, for a large portion of the year with a weird shoulder issue. Uh, so they're, you know, they win 103 games but not with the roster they intended to bring into the season. So you look at that roster and you think if we get everybody back healthy and we add an ace to this and we get Luis Severino back at some point, then that's that should be the 108 win Red Sox. Like that should be the championship core. And then of course, you know that season barely happens. 60 game season, there's no fans. The Yankees go ahead and win some some home playoff games in San Diego. It doesn't feel like anything that anybody had signed up for. Uh, so that's all we have of Garrett Cole prior to this year. I would say that Cole was—he dealt with the the Spider Tech thing happened not very gracefully, and it happened in the middle of a season. And Rob Manfred, with many, as with many things that he's implemented and instituted, he should have had a better plan there. Plan A should not have been to just strip pitchers of something they've been using in the middle of May and hope they figure it out. Cole figured it out. Tyler Glass now didn't. He had Tommy John surgery. You know, he's, the, the stress of the ball was different, and, and we lost him for the year and beyond. Cole's very lucky that didn't happen to him. Um, But he was... He, he He slumped for a couple of weeks, then found it again, regained form, then hurt his hamstring at the end of the year, and never really found it again. He was largely very special from early June to early September. And so I would say that he... Did not have an A-plus year or, honestly, even an A year based on what you expect from Garrett Cole. Uh, Some of it was his fault. Some of it certainly was not. Um, I was debating Red Sox fans in my mentions the other day who refused to believe he wasn't healthy for the wildcard game. I don't know why they need to create a narrative for themselves just to prove that they're the strongest team that ever lived and have the hairiest chest and are the biggest men and and are, are better people than me. He wasn't healthy. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not going to say he was injured and he couldn't pitch, but he wasn't healthy. He had a hamstring issue in the month. wasn't very good after that. So I don't hold against him. I don't think a healthy version of Garrett Cole looks quite so bad at Fenway Park at the end of the year. I don't regret anything about that contract.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think people are just going to rip on it because he wasn't that good with the pirates in the wild card game against the Cubs or whatever it was. There's just so many things that like contributed to, you know, ripping on Garrett Cole for his performance in the wildcard game, but I mm-hmm. thought he had an outstanding year and the Red Sox just kind of, I don't want to say got lucky because there was some luck involved with the green monster and all that stuff, but you know, yeah. they played the one game better. That's the issue with a one game wild card. Sometimes it just randomly happens and the Yankees were victims of it this year, but behind Garrett Cole, seems to be a lot of question marks. There were a lot of question marks going into the season. And then some of the guys who pitched behind Garrett Cole were a lot more well, Out of they pitched better than I would have ever thought they would have. And it turned out to be a pretty good rotation with a bunch of guys who you don't expect to be like a World Series level rotation. So are you worried about the rotation not named Garrett Cole going into next season? Or do you think they can kind of keep the upward trajectory or maybe sign one more starting pitcher? Like what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think they need one more guy, uh, especially because Jamison Tyone is not someone I anticipate being fully healthy until, I mean, even healthy enough to crack the roster until May, and then who knows how long it takes him to round into form. He had ankle surgery this offseason. He he pitched game 162 for the Yankees on this bum ankle and held the Rays down for four innings. So uh, he's A-OK in my book. Even if he had struggled in that game, he'd still be A-OK in my book. But you're losing a you know an, an August pitcher of the month to start the year from a rotation that already probably wasn't complete. I give Matt Blake a ton of credit for pulling things out of people, the the pitching coach, uh, for getting Nestor Cortez Jr. up and running, for turning Jordan Montgomery into the number three that we all knew he could be. But without Tyone, and I just can't rely on Severino to stay healthy, and I think a smart bet is not doing that. So that if he does stay healthy as a number two, fantastic. We've only seen him out of the bullpen for the past three years, and it was a week and a half, and it was great. But that's not someone I'm counting on to be my number two next year. So I think I trust in Matt Blake and the coaching staff. I do think Nestor Cortez Jr. is someone who can really contribute this year as well. And Montgomery is what he is, a, a classic high three ERA, low four ERA guy who can help you out uh, and should be starting game three or four of a playoff series. And that that's great. Um, but I, I yeah, I think they're one guy away, especially without Tyone.
0: can't hear you right now sorry that's completely my fault forgot to hit the button no worries did, did you enjoy having anthony rizzo on the yankees last year did you think the trade was worth it do you think they would consider bringing him back what are your thoughts on anthony rizzo and his new york yankees little stint there
3: i love the guy i wish i loved the guy a little more i'll say to your chicago uh, folks i think i thought i w- i was blown away when they traded for him like legitimately the most surprised I've been by a transaction. Uh, Obviously I was floored when they signed Garrett Cole, but I knew there was a chance they could sign Garrett Cole. I thought Rizzo was going to the Red Sox and I couldn't believe that he was suddenly my guy. It was, it was very strange. He's also someone I've loved for a long time. So um, I was very pleased to see him, him join, uh, you know, with the team. And of course he tests positive for COVID basically a week after he arrives Clearly knocks him out a little, but he's not quite the same guy. I, I was I overall enjoyed his tenure. I was happy having him. He was a vast improvement on what they'd previously trotted out there. I wish they could have found a way to balance him and Luke Voit uh, a little more, rather than claiming they were going to do that. Uh, and you know, the, all they had to do was really start standing in the outfield more often than not. Juggle Voit and Rizzo DH. Obviously, Rizzo's way better defensively, but he's also coming off COVID. So, you know, giving him a rest day or a half rest day every so often, it seemed like they were content to just sort of let Voight die on the vine. And I don't agree with that. Um, I-, I enjoyed having Rizzo. I would absolutely take him back. He's in an unfortunate place where he's there are three satisfactory options. And by satisfactory, I mean, like big thumbs up. Uh, Matt Olson being number one. Freddie Freeman, if by some miracle he's available and the Braves don't work out a deal there. And then Rizzo number three. So he's in an unfortunate position where I'd absolutely welcome him back, but he does have to wait around and check in with the Yankees and have to endure them being like, hey, we're still, you know, we're into it, but we got to figure out this Matt Olson thing first. We hope you understand. So it's, it's a tough thing for him to have to deal with, I'm sure. I enjoyed his tenure 80% as much as I wanted to, uh, but I, I'd certainly welcome him back at the right price.
0: That's interesting that you say that because I've always thought that out of the big three that the Cubs traded away, Rizzo had the largest likelihood of returning this season just because of the fact that you just mentioned. You know, there are lots of shortstops and second basemen out there um Chris Bryant could play all over the field but it didn't seem like he really wanted to return to the Cubs we'll see what happens there but Anthony Rizzo he plays first base he's 32 years old there are lots of guys who are like in that market that can like you said he's the third guy so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him but there are other free agents out there that the Yankees have their eyes on and it seems like Carlos Correa is the hot commodity the Yankees could absolutely use a guy I mean Let's be honest, all 30 teams in Major League Baseball would want Carlos Correa, whether they want to admit it or not, based on the elephant in the room, you know what I'm talking about. But would you want Carlos Correa on the New York Yankees? I know the answer is probably yes. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that guy?
3: Yeah, I think get good players and worry about the positional fit later. Um, You know, you're the New York Yankees, sure, but this doesn't last forever. You can't just assume you're going to contend in 2025 because you're contending-esque now. You know what I mean? Um, So even if Correa is not your shortstop forever, and even if Anthony Volpe, who's one of their top prospects who they love, and Oswald Peraza is another guy, even if those guys pan out and they're viable major league starting shortstops, or even stars, there's no harm in having Carlos Correa. I mean, Alex Rodriguez once moved to third base just to accommodate Derek Jeter. Like, if Carlos Correa is willing to come to the Yankees and everybody's willing to overlook the things that we know about Carlos Correa, then I would absolutely endorse it. I won't lie and say that it, it you know it does make me a little uncomfortable the idea of like you said you want Aaron Judge on the Yankees cuz you want to beat the best the idea that the Yankees would suddenly be Garrett Cole and Carlos Correa and they would just essentially be absorbing the Astros who won up them in 2017 and 19 would be a strange feeling uh but at the end of the day I do think that getting good players trumps all. And I think you need to figure out a way, like it doesn't even take mental gymnastics to figure out a way to fit Correa onto the roster along with your top prospects. Gio Rochelle is not going to be there forever. Glaber Torres might not be there forever. Um, You know, DJ LeMayhew is a utility man by trade. There are plenty of ways to get run for everybody. I I wouldn't say no. I also just wouldn't anticipate it happening to be perfectly honest
0: with you. So, With the roster currently constructed as is, assuming maybe they add another starting pitcher, whether whoever you think they might get based on things you've heard or things you want. What are your early, early, early expectations for the 2022 New York Yankees playing in? What might be the best division in baseball? It's between that and the NL West for me.
3: Yeah, I can't believe we knocked the Blue Jays out of the playoffs last year. That's insane. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the Blue Jays were doing in April and May. Uh, We had no business being in the wildcard game over the Jays last year. Again, the Yankees were good for about two and a half weeks in the middle of August and about eight days at the end of the season. And they were decent in the month of May. Uh, they, They had no business knocking the Blue Jays out of the postseason picture. It's very strange that they did. And I think right now, as constructed, they're the fourth best team in the division. I don't know what got into the Red Sox last year. I don't think that roster is very good. But they have Mojo, uh, undoubtedly. I think, I mean, look, their rotation got worse. They, they weren't even great in the first place, and they lost Eduardo Rodriguez. But at the same time, I would certainly go to war with those guys in the Red Sox locker room over the guys in the Yankees locker room outside of Judge and Stanton. I, like we said, the pitching staff is is lacking. Uh, Glaber Torres had a very strange year. Even when he started hitting September, he didn't have any power. Joey Gallo came to the Bronx. We all knew he would hit 200 with 20 homers. He hit 160 with 11 homers. Uh, I think Joey Gallo, the 220 homer guy, is a fine baseball player. The Joey Gallo that we saw was not, by and large. Your White Sox got the best of Joey Gallo last year. He he hit you guys pretty well, but uh, most of his time in pinstripes didn't make a lot of sense. Aaron Hicks is coming back. He should not be an everyday center fielder. Uh, LeMayhu had an awful year, but he also did have a sports hernia. Um, So if he can at least get back to some semblance of normalcy, I think the team goes as he goes. I think if LeMahieu is an MVP candidate again. That I mean, then it's a 96-97 win team if you add the requisite pitching. Uh, but if he doesn't bounce back and the power doesn't come back for Torres or Urshela and those guys all sort of look like C pluses, uh, then I think you, you add an extra pitcher, they could be in the wildcard picture all year and have a chance to go on a run you don't fill out the roster and you don't get an all-star at first base and they're an 84 85 win team right now
0: wow that's very interesting evaluation of the new york yankees um i appreciate the honesty too because it's easy to look at the roster you see some superstars at the top garrett cole's there and it, it looks like maybe from the surface that it could be like a 90 win team but you're right i think there's a couple additions that need to be made in order to push them over the edge into postseason contention now I gotta ask you you spoke very highly of the Toronto Blue Jays and then of course we know Boston has Alex Cora they play so well for him there are a lot of guys in that locker room as you mentioned that you just want to go to war with even though they might not be the most talented bunch they play their butts off every single day and the Red Sox are a hard team to play against and then of course you got the Tampa Bay Rays who are like the Dodgers minus you know all the money And they keep pumping out these starting pitchers that come out of nowhere. Where did these guys come from? And, hey, they even made a trade for a guy like Nelson Cruz. You don't see them do that too often at trade deadlines, be buyers like that. But they won 100 games. But between those three teams, who are you scared of the most in 2022? And I think I know the answer to and beyond, but and beyond. Yeah, I think I mean this is the year for the Jays
3: to be the Jays, right? Um I I can't trust the Rays and beyond just because I know that the Rays don't have the budget to fortify really, and or they refuse to. I mean, they do, they could if they wanted to, but the Rays are perfectly content to ride out a core, then win eighty-eight games one year. Just acknowledge that they're gonna win eighty-eight games one year and trade, you know, three or four of their best players in order to reload and go back and win 94, 95 the next. Um, I, I trust the Rays to sustain themselves. I think the Blue Jays are the scariest team in the division. Uh, all that said, though, I really think that it is Rays atop the division for one more year, Jays a clear number two, and then the Yankees and Red Sox, based on the way they juggle their rosters, are going to battle it out for that third spot.
0: Is it painful to have to cheer against a team like the Blue Jays because they they just seem like, oh. I, I don't I mean I understand where you're coming from but if, if a team was that fun in the White Sox division I'd be so mad I would be like are you serious yeah. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The, all those guys are so cool and they're so fun to watch and they play on my rival that sucks
3: yeah it's funny I I mean I love Vlad Jr. but I hate George Springer um and Bo Bichette crushes us uh to the point where um, you know, if Shett did what he did against the Yankees against every other team, then he'd be Vlad Jr and then I'd acknowledge it, but the fact that he hits 260 with shoddy defense against the Red Sox and 340 with massive power against the Yankees, that's enough to get you on my list. So, um it, it's very frustrating. I wish I could root for them for sure,
0: but there are a couple of hateable guys on that roster, too. I totally understand cuz then again, I'm speaking from like an outsider, a different division's point of view like the Blue Jays just seem cool, and we only have to play them, what, three time, three series a year, maybe four? So, like, they're fun to root for if you're not actively cheering against them. But I probably would hate them, too, if they were in the <laughs> same division as the White Sox, because the Indians were pretty cool for a while there, too, when they had Lindor and Ramirez, and the starting pitching was like Clevenger, Bauer. Like all, it just stars all over the place. So, But I understand where you're coming from. Really quick before I let you go, I do got to ask, from a New York point of view, what are the thoughts on the Cubs and White Sox from, like, baseball ops? What's the general perception of these two teams right now?
3: I couldn't believe they traded with each other last year. I couldn't believe there was a Nick Madrigal Very rare. swap. That was so weird. Um, I, You know, I trust the White Sox. I, I think I was hoping to see a little bit more from them in the postseason last year. And, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously because of their opponent. But I do feel like they, they may have peaked a little early. They had near mir- I, – I know that the injury issues were – absurd uh for you guys that you had like the most man games lost of of any team and it was you and the Mets and you never want to be in that conversation with the Mets um but I I think that the White Sox infrastructure is um you know as advertised as good as it's cracked up to be you talk about a talent pipeline you have a very similar talent pipeline to the Jays it's just we're all waiting for the Luis Robert and and Eloy Jimenez breakout seasons um but there are more where they came from I, I know I believe in the White Sox for sure um the Cubs, I almost feel like they're a year or two stale, uh, or maybe even three years. It, congratulations for the accomplishment. Uh, you know, we all tip our caps to getting them to the top of the mountain. It's strange they were unable to do it again. Baseball's hard, so not outright shocking, but definitely strange. I, I It's hard for me to declare the organization dead. I was less than inspired by the idea of trading you, Darvish, and everybody else that they had for teenagers specifically saying we demand the lowest level minor league talent. Um, I don't think they intend on contending for quite a while, but I don't think you're going to see them buried in a decade of disaster exactly either.
0: Absolutely. Well, Adam, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show it was my absolute pleasure to talk New York Yankees baseball with you I hope we're able to do so again sometime soon I believe both of our two teams are going to be having some very fun matchups as we saw you guys got the better of us for the most part in 2021 so I'm looking forward to some absolute battles between two great cities and two great organizations do you want to promote yourself really quick before I let you go
3: Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. I'd love to come back whenever. Hopefully when we're uh, battling directly on the field, you can, uh, you know, I'll pop back in here and trash talk a little bit. Um, I'm at Adam Weiner on Twitter below Yanks Go Yard FS on Twitter for Yanks Go Yard content. That's uh, we're writing all day, every day spinning our wheels during the lockout, trying to get you the best content we can. Um, I also host a podcast called sport fire. It's like sports comedy, bang, bang. Uh, comedians come on, play characters, do interviews about their sports fandom had SNL's Luke null on Twitter today to talk about his bangles uh have had snl cast members on in the past it's very fun recommend all of those things if uh, you liked what you heard thanks for having me man
0: of course it was my pleasure we'll see you soon thank you thank you and for all those listening we would like to send you to a quick commercial break
3: and a since it looks like both the bears and the vikings are going to have head coaching vacancies i was wondering who do you think is the most attractive destination for any potential head coaching candidates uh that's off season minnesota or chicago
2: That's a really good question. I think you can make a good argument for either of them. I think that uh, if if you're a head coach that wants, you know, their fingerprints all over the organization, wants to take credit for for a bunch of the stuff that's been happening, I would probably pick the Bears, even though you don't get to pick your quarterback. And the reason for that is because the quarterbacks in this draft are not good. Uh, you know, according to draft analysts, like I could be very wrong about this. The draft analysts could be wrong. But our understanding of the draft right now is that this is not a great quarterback class. Uh, and, and Justin Fields, to me, personally, I thought he was the second best prospect in that draft. Obviously, he has not played very well as a rookie, um, worse than I expected, but there's so much good stuff in there that if you can quicken up his process and if you're a coach who's confident that you know how to get him to be faster in his reads and faster in his process, um, you've got a good quarterback with good tools, right? Um, Obviously you're going to need to. And welcome back to Crosstown
0: Crosstalk, where I would like to thank Adam Weinrib for joining us, talking some New York Yankees baseball. Now, if you've been watching social media, the news, maybe a specific late night television show, You've seen just this great story that has come out over the last couple days. On late night, Jimmy Fallon thought it would be a very good idea to go on air and imitate what it would be like to be a White Sox fan. Check it out here. It just pisses me off.
4: (laughs) It is time for screen grabs. Here we go. These are some weird, funny things that you guys found on the internet or took a picture of in real life and then sent in to us. Uh, this photo of a Chicago White Sox fan that was posted on Twitter by a sports writer named Alan Bell. Alan tagged me in it because he thought I, the fan looked like me. I don't know if I see this at all. Let's take a look at this. <coughs> he thought that looks like yeah. me. Yeah, Alan. Let me. Well, let me try something. Else.
0: okay yes
2: let's go White Sox
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the man of the hour, Jake Von Esch, the man who was imitated on live television by Jimmy Fallon. Jake, how are we doing, my man?
1: I'm doing well, Vinny. Thanks for having me.
0: Man, you have just become an absolute White Sox superstar over the last week or so, and I cannot be more happy for you. I'm so excited. How did you find out that you were on the late night um? talk show
1: with jimmy fallon yeah you know it's a dream come true to be a, a white sock superstar like this uh i was uh i woke up that morning and my my roommate's mom uh was watching watching the, the news and she recorded it on her phone sent us the video and yeah that's how i found out it was
0: i was ecstatic i couldn't believe it <laughs> That's amazing. Tell us about your White Sox fandom. What is, like? What do you do? Do you go to games? How do you become a fan? Just the whole package.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, I'd probably say I was born a White Sox fan. Uh, my mom and her entire side of the family were White Sox fans. And uh, ever since day one, uh, they kind of injected me into it. I uh, went to games as a kid with my family. And now me and my brother, we're season ticket holders. We, we go to games all the time. We're at a minimum. One home game a week uh, just depends on the work schedules and everything. What we go on, on the weekends. I, uh, Yeah, just and I guess that's that's just the fandom. I, I love this team.
0: That is so awesome to hear. I love that you're a season ticket holder. Um, I got to ask. Explain the outfit.
1: Well, you mean just the helmet or like the, the <laughs> whole, entire the whole appearance? Get
0: up, the whole get up. I want to hear about it.
1: Yeah, so well that the helmet uh came from a friend. It was a a birthday gift and it that it's not a White Sox branded merchandise. You know, you can't go out and just find that, but the the helmet was a blank canvas and then they slapped a White Sox sticker on the on the front of it. And then uh my look, I guess, uh it kind of like a COVID-born appearance uh when, you know, stopped going to work, uh going into work rather. I was just like, you know, I'm gonna grow a mustache. And then I, I didn't know I had this <laughs> a capable. Uh, and then about, you know, six months in, I hadn't gotten a haircut. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna go a full year without a haircut and see what happens. And then sure enough, <laughs> I, I've, I've got this now. So
0: <laughs> do you think that green that screen grab actually looks like Jimmy Fallon attending a White Sox game?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I never, people give me lookalikes all the time and I've never gotten Jimmy Fallon before, but once he threw on the whole get up with the hair on the helmet, I was like, damn, Jimmy, if you, I don't know if I can swear, sorry, but no, I was like, if, 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 if you, if you, you know, grew out your hair and a mustache, you know, we could be twins.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. So is Modelo your beer of choice?
1: Uh I would say it'd be uh Modelo or Bush Light. Uh Modelo when I'm at the White Sox games uh mainly because it's the uh beer vendor right at the top of our section for our tickets. So you walk up 160 to your right is a is a Modelo stand. So
0: <laughs> very good. I I love to hear it. Describe to me what the reception of this whole thing has been. Have you heard from people who are just like Crazy big on White Sox Twitter. I know you were mentioned in a couple of blogs. I wrote about you. Um, Alyssa Bergamini, who hosts the White Sox show. She's a friend of the program. She had a tweet about you. White Sox Dave talking about you on Redline Radio. You're all over the place, man. What's been the craziest thing in terms of the reception of this whole thing? Family, friends, all of it.
1: Yeah, uh, everybody's been very receptive. Uh, you know, my entire friend base loves it, my family loves it, and the entire internet seems to love it which is great because you know sometimes you go you go viral and not everybody's so nice <laughs> but everybody really loves it and i've i've almost hit the trifecta of drunk white Sox followers i've got from the 108 i have white Sox dave and the only one i'm missing is uh, uh oh man i'm drawing i'm drawing a blank on his name just in the moment it's uh the, the guy who works security for the uh, first aid for the White Sox. Um, oh, Brian, Bri- Brian, Brian Knight. Knight. Brian okay, Knight. Brian okay. Knight. So I'm just missing Brian Knight. If I get Brian Knight, I've hit the full trifecta.
0: <laughs> you know, I think I could help you out with that. Brian Knights is also a friend. Um, I, I could help you make that happen. I think we yeah. could make that work. Bri- Brian Knight <laughs> is hilarious. He, uh,
1: he often sits up. Or in stands, his, like, I don't know if it's his posted section or whatever, but it's right above my section. I see him all the time. I've uh, never worked up the moment to go talk to him, but maybe I will now.
0: Yeah, you have to now. He's a lot taller in person than you would ever expect from him sitting in his hot tub. Yeah. Great tasting, less fillings, talking about the White Sox lost to the Rays that night.
1: Cue the Blues Brothers.
0: Yeah, cue the motherfucking Blues Brothers. Cue Landslide. We do all of it. So we can make that happen. Um, Let's talk a little baseball. Yeah, what were absolutely. some of your favorite moments from the 2021 Chicago White Sox season, besides that scream grab of yours?
1: Oh man. Well, <laughs> and maybe besides that that game, I've I've said that game three is the greatest sports game I've ever been to. It was the most like, electric like atmosphere that I've ever been a part of. I, I didn't sit down that entire game, and, and no one in, in my section did. It, it was absolutely bananas. Um other great moments, man. Uh, how about uh, Mercedes at the start of the season? Just go. I still love that pimped home run off the oh, off yeah. the Twins uh, oh, yeah. player pitcher. That was incredible. Um, man, I don't. I don't know. The just that entire season was just so fun. I, how about the
0: Field of Dreams game?
1: Oh, I, how can I forget the Field of Dreams game? Tim Anderson's walk off home run. Are you kidding me? Against the Yankees. Uh, yeah, the the whole season was special. I, obviously, it, it it fizzled out in a playoff loss, but hopefully next season.
0: Absolutely. Who's your favorite White Sox player?
1: Of all time, it's gonna be uh, AJ Pierzynski. When I was a kid, I was a catcher. My favorite number is twelve. Um, so AJ's always been my dude. <laughs> I've I think it's solidified. I can't remember how old I was. I had to be like ten to thirteen when he got in that fight with Barrett on the Cubs. Um, I was just like, AJ's the man, I can't believe, and uh, I've got, like, a cracked bat from a a game that he used, and yeah, yeah, I think probably AJ Pierzinski's my number one.
0: Absolutely, I love to hear that. The the current White Sox are just a very interesting group, like, you got players like Robert, Moncada, Abreu Anderson, there's just Mm. so much good stuff. Are you expecting this team to eventually, finally, turn the corner and maybe make a deep run in the playoffs. I know they were outclassed. I was there at that game as well against the Houston Astros. And then I was there the next day when they got killed and were eliminated. No fun there. But do you think they could ever reach that pinnacle with this group? I really do. And I really hope so. I'm I'm an optimistic fan, I guess. But,
1: uh, you know, there's still a lot of talent on this team. And for the moment, they seem to own the division. Uh, so, you know, if we can keep getting to the playoffs, anything can happen. We, you know, you fall into a tough spot when you run into this experienced team like the Astros. Um, but, you know, you you got to get over that hump sometimes. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take if it's, you know, spending money. The White Sox are like one of four teams that have never done a hundred million dollar contract. So I, I'm all for just going out and paying someone. I don't know who that person is, but we need something to get them over the hump.
0: So I was going to ask you, is there any specific moves that you would like to see the White Sox make once the lockout is over? I know we got to mm. get over that yeah. nasty hump. It's disgusting to even talk about. I yeah. hate it. But, you know, second base, right field, another starting pitcher, maybe some bullpen help. What are mm. your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I think second base is front first and foremost. Um I love Larry Garcia. That home run he hit in game three was awesome, but I think you need to uh, solidify that position. I don't know who it's going to be yet. Um, I've always liked Trevor's story, but I don't know if you can get that guy to move to second. And, you know, he hits home runs, but at Coors Field and his away splits are a little different. So maybe, maybe not. But right field we could probably get by without acquiring a right field, but if we do go get someone, I would love to have Jock Peterson that he's won two world series in a row. Let's make it three. I I mean, why not? And then and he's electric in the playoffs. So.
0: I, I love having Jake Von Ash, the kid who Jimmy Fallon imitated on the tonight show, talking about home and road splits of a Colorado <laughs> Rockies player. This is a dream come true for me. This has been amazing. Like I'm so happy for you. I got to, ask you again, there's got to be other media stuff that you've done or, or uh, have been asked to do. I saw a couple of clips on Twitter. I was waiting for you to talk about it before I said anything, but talk about the whole thing in terms of other people besides me wanting to have you on their show and just talk about the whole experience.
1: Yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been really exciting. It's super fun to do it. Uh, I was on WGN the, the morning after, um, which was a, you know, dream come true. I used to watch them all the time when I was uh, in high school, before school, I, they'd be on in my house uh i would i did an interview for block club chicago i did an interview with socks on 35th um doing your show now and then i think wgn radio is calling me later to do uh, like a five minute thing uh still some heavy hitters i would love to be i would love to be on like Redline radio some i love some of them all the time or um it, you know the uh, upper echelon if i
0: ever get on the fallon show or something that'd be insane <laughs> absolutely I-, I wanted to reach out to jimmy fallon just to see if i can like try and figure out a way to get him to pop in and surprise you but 54 million twitter followers it's hard to get in touch with a guy like that it
1: me. is he did he did send me uh, a dm from his his account just saying like thank you like thanks for uh, liking the bit and everything and he added a. Uh, You know, we should see a game sometime and put a few beers back. I was like, holy hell, like if this actually ever happened, I like I'll keep my hopes to a, you know, a medium level. But if that ever happened, it'd be insane whether we were we're able to get them on the south side or I go to a Fenway. But
0: (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I saw you talking a little bit. You like fever pitch, don't you? Oh, I've got a copy of it right behind me.
1: It's a it's a favorite movie of mine. It was a favorite movie of my mom's. We would watch it all the time.
0: Very cool. Um, I would say it's a favorite movie in my house. too. We're, we're not Red Sox fans. I don't even mm-hmm. think Jimmy Fallon is a Red Sox fan, truth be told. I'm 90% sure he's a Yankee fan, which Uncle Carl is rolling in his grave thinking about Jimmy Fallon rooting for the Yankees it, because Ben Reitman is such a big Boston Red Sox fan. But imagine taking in a game with that guy, knowing oh, I the know. whole fever pitch thing.
1: Yeah, no, it would. It would. I'd probably cry, to be honest. It'd be it'd be a, a dream come true for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if no one's ever seen Fever Pitch and you got a like a wife or a girlfriend out there that wants to watch a rom-com. Watch that one. You'll both love it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, you know, I would love to just sit there and take a take a White Sox game in with Jimmy Fallon. I'd even go see a Yankee game or a Red Sox fan we should really try and make that happen for you. I think you deserve it more than anybody <laughs> in the world because you've been <laughs> such a great sport about this whole thing. Cause it's like, it's like a funny picture that he picked of you too. You're just like sitting there like looking confused and he, he just imitated it and, you know, shout out to everybody for being such a good sport about it. I really enjoyed the whole thing. I want to give you an opportunity because White Sox Dave has been on this show before. Oh, so I- I'm going to, okay. I'm going to reach out to him and let him know that you're just itching to come talk about this on Redline radio. We'll see what we can do with that as well. but. Do you have anybody that you want to shout out, give thanks to for this whole thing? I mean, I'm sure it's been a whirlwind of a week for you.
1: Um, yeah, I I well, my my best friends, Sam, Dale, Marcos, I don't know if you uh I'll probably send them the link to this, have them watch it sometime. Um, we the three of us uh or the four of us, we do a podcast. I I put it in my name there, but we have a uh we do it's called Dub Bear Minimum podcast and it's focused around the Bears, but we talk all Chicago sports cuz we love them all, but uh yeah so them uh i don't know my dad kendra trevor my brother who's the season ticket holder with me um everybody's awesome
0: love you guys very very good stuff i i know the reason i had you do that is because i do believe that you are you're loved by your family and friends because i had people in my mentions i had people in my dms telling me hey that's jay von Esh. Or yeah, Esh 12 on Twitter. You need to reach out to him. He would love to talk to you, like this and that. I'm, so I'm like, you have a huge support group. So you you should be proud of how this whole thing has gone. I commend you for taking it in such a stride and being such a good sport about it. It's been a lot of fun to watch from my point of view.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to experience it firsthand. I I I, I love doing it. It's it's a blast. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So those of you who aren't, make sure you go follow Esch 12 That's Jake Von Esch on Twitter. He is the man imitated by Jimmy Fallon. It's been such a great time, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. Yeah, appreciate it, Vinny. Thanks for having me. Of course. We'll be in touch soon. I would love to have you on again. Yeah, Um, no, anytime. Absolutely. And with that, we'd like to send you to another quick commercial break.
3: It just pisses me off to the fact, like, to no end to see
0: him on another team when he should still be with the Hawks. Ro- uh, Rocky Wertz should call Stan Bowman and just remind him that he's still fired because of that trade. Would just call him up. Uh, just, Stan, how you doing? How's the family? Oh, by the way, just so you know, you're still fired. And he's uh, so good, dude. And, um. and it made me laugh when Panarin was on the Hawks. He's only good because of Kane. Are you stupid? Did Kane ever have 100 points before Panarin came along? What the hell are you talking about? So, yeah. I don't know. That used to piss me off too. And I'm happy that when they did trade him, he proved that it wasn't because of Patrick Kane. And I think every nor- normal, rational Blackhawks fan would agree with me on that, saying that they're happy seeing him have success without Patrick Kane because Artemi Panarin deserves his props as well.
4: Oh, yeah. And it's not his fault he was traded. You can't hate Panarin because the Hawks are an idiot. Oh, no. I don't yeah. hate Panarin. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, I, I love Bowman lost three trades involving Brandon Saad. Not one, not two, three.
4: I love Panarin because he gets in. You could tell he's passionate. Like he's throwing gloves over at Brad Marsh. And I love yeah. that guy.
0: And Artemi Panarin, he challenged some political controversies in Russia a couple years ago. And he had to take a leave of absence to go help his family, like protect them or whatever. And the Rangers had like a 300 winning percentage while he was gone. So in terms of most valuable players to his team, it's hard to argue against our Panarin for the New York Rangers.
4: Yeah. And over this weekend, uh, one of our family members, you know, asked me in a lot of times, like people who aren't huge NHL fans, but really big Blackhawks, they don't necessarily don't know like how certain players are doing, especially over in the Eastern conference. That's kind they of why we games. invented this show. Yeah. They don't watch the games, which is understandable. And you know, a cool, when obviously when the Rangers make their way over to Chicago or vice versa, it it reminds people like, Oh yeah. Artemi Panarin, how's he doing? And a question I get a lot is how did the Hawks ever let that guy go? And then you have to explain, yeah, it was probably one of the worst trades I've ever seen the Blackhawks do in the past 20 years. Um, but then you have to remind that person like, yeah, this guy is not only is he doing good with the Rangers, he gets MVP votes every single year it seems. And he's going to win one of these years. (laughs)
0: Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk. You just saw the funniest ad of all time from Bardown Talking Hockey with Joey Parisi and Frankie Mueller. Make sure you tune into that every Wednesday at 2 p.m. That stuff makes me laugh every single time, the arguments that we have on this show. And, of course, we're coming to a close on Crosstown Crosstalk for today. There's no baseball to talk about whatsoever. And when it's just me, it's hard to just sit here and talk. I mean, everybody who knows me knows I could just sit there and talk about baseball for hours and hours and hours. But – it was truly a great time to talk New York Yankees baseball with Adam Weinrib of the Fan Sided Network. Yanks go yard. Make sure you follow him. And then, of course, the guest of honor of the year, I would say, based on everything that's happened. Of course, Jake Von Esch. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, too. I know I have seen that his follow numbers on Twitter have gone up exponentially since the whole thing. So keep following that guy. It's good to have him. He's a great dude. And I loved talking to him about the whole experience. There's nothing better to me than when the sports community comes together and is truly nice to someone over something that happened. And like, it's to the point where I shaved a mustache into my face and, you know, put on the whole White Sox get up and was just so excited to talk baseball with that guy and the community's when, it, when the community's at its best, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. So thank you, Jake. And thank you, Adam, for bringing such great content to us at the Barroom Network. And of course, before I go, I have a couple promotions on the Barroom Network. There's always some great Content going on pretty much all day, every day. Tonight at 7 p.m., you have Peggy Kaczynski interviewing NFL executive Sam Rappaport. So that should be really, really fun for those of us football fans getting ready and hyped up for week 18 action. Um at 7:30, she'll talk with legendary high school basketball coach Dorothy Gators. That's gonna be a really fun time too, as well. Peggy, Peggy's amazing. Everybody knows about Peggy Kaczynski, she's one of the greats in the industry, especially locally. And then you finish tonight with Dan and Aldo talking Bears football going to be so much fun I love watching those two guys talk football big week 18 I know we got the Bears Justin Fields is in COVID protocol now so he's not going to be starting when we thought he was going to be so it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears play against the Minnesota Vikings to close out the year you got a borderline playoff game between the Las Vegas Raiders and San Diego or I guess we call them the Los Angeles Chargers now on Sunday night football greatly looking forward to that we'll recap it all along with the college football playoff national championship on bar down talking hockey next week where we don't only talk about hockey there are other great shows on this network talking about stuff like the bulls shows bulls 101 science fiction talking about all things nerdy you know i'm into that stuff so make sure you're tuning in on everything that we got going on there and of course one more time thank you to jake weinreb of yanks go yard of the fan-sided network and then of course jake von esch the man on nbc's Uh, tonight show with Jimmy Fallon. Such a good time. I had such a great time talking baseball and we will be back next week with more great content. And as always, thank you for listening.